Hello, America. Welcome to the Marriage Reboot Show, hosted by Herb and Lily Thomas. This is the Christian Marriage Reboot Training Academy. The Christian Marriage Reboot is the only real-life experience that instantly changes your life and your daily activities and behaviors into the marriage that God intended. We're looking to create redemption stories. The enemy of our souls would love to see your family fall apart. The world has normalized divorce, and it is painful because the Lord says that when a man and a woman marry, they become one flesh. Divorce is a separation of that flesh, but at Marriage Reboot, we believe divorce can be avoided, and your children and futures and your generations can be salvaged to create a great redemption story through the love and the renewing of the mind of Jesus Christ. To be eligible for the Christian Marriage Reboot Training Academy, the couple must answer yes to four questions. Are you married? Are you both Christians? Are you struggling in your marriage? And are you willing to follow Jesus? If the couple answers yes to those four simple questions, they are perfect for the Training Academy and are eligible to buy now and immediately purchase their place. Hello, America. Good morning. It's Herb and Lily Thomas with the Marriage Reboot Show, and we're so glad you joined us today. We're in Dallas, Texas. The sun has finally come out after a really horrible cold spell, and we're so pleased that you would spend some time with us today. So, Herb, do you want to tell them a little bit about what we're going to be doing? Well, uh, today, um, why don't we first uh, tell them uh, who we are? Okay. okay. And we are a Texas nonprofit corporation that's qualified through the Internal Revenue Service under 50, Section 501c3. And it, we operate the Christian Marriage Reboot Academy through that organization so that you can know exactly who we are and what we're doing here. So, um, uh, to, how about, uh, uh, well, just to let you know what we're going to be doing today so we can get there is the fact that we're going to be discussing, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Jennifer's story, which is an article called Echoes of Regret, which was an article, uh, that I wrote in the Facebook, uh, our Facebook page. And it received over, at this point, I think there's over 1,050 likes or, or responses to it. And 82% of those are likes. And so, obviously, there's some kind of reaction to that uh, that uh, we would love for, first of all, to hear from you of why you liked it, you know, and or why you didn't like it. I think most of the ones that didn't like it let us know. Uh, but the ones that did like us, uh, in the comments below, put in there why you liked it. Uh, and any questions you might have, and th then we'll be able to answer those. But we wanted to go into that and discuss this with you because of it's a common scenario, and uh, I, I think that uh, it's it has such an applicable uh, application to marriage itself. Well, now when you say put a comment below, do you mean on the Facebook page? Yeah. What what are you talking about? Right yeah, on there? the on the Facebook page. Uh, it, it, you you should be if it's live, which it is. It's going to be on the Fishbowl uh, Radio Network 
Facebook page is the live. And so below that, there are comments. And so you can fill in the comments there. And we'll be able to pick those up. Okay, thank you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the heart and the mission of the Christian Marriage Reboot Academy. Well, the Christian Marriage Reboot Academy is really uh, the whole purpose that we're going through this is to save families uh, that are young Christian married families uh, through this academy is to be able to teach them how to do uh, God marriage God's way uh, or according to God's standard. Uh, and because what we're finding out is that um, according to the census, 98% of the, uh, uh, of the population does not do marriage uh, of the U.S. population does not do marriage correctly. 2% does. It's been declining uh, for 60 years now from 72% to 2%. That just seems unacceptable. And because of that, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't really know how God intended this to be. And so we want to teach you and show you through the academy um, what what exactly how God wants you to operate your marriage. So um, we thought we would do that through uh, through discussing Jennifer's story, uh, because it, that is uh, one where uh, it's a situation where you can use this to be able to tell your best friend who when your best friend comes to you and says, hey, I'm thinking about divorcing my husband, you can uh, tell them, go read Jennifer's story, Echoes of Regret. But at the same time, uh, you can find out what the essence of this story is about and be able to explain to them how to do marriage God's way and evaluate whether or not they're really doing that at that point. And so it's very, very healthy uh, process to go through. Um, before we get into discussing it, I want to give you a definition of what I mean by family. And what I mean by family is the definition that God gives it to it. To it. And that means that we're talking about the covenant relationships that you enter into when you get married uh, in your during your wedding. And that is where you've got, you're bringing together a, a coalition of relationships of, of Christ, the husband, the wife, and ultimately the children. And they all function together as a family. Uh, most that's not happening these days because the family's broken. But that doesn't mean that we can't put it all back together. And God is the only one that can do that. And we're going to talk about that today. And so we want you to be able to see the pros and cons of, of what we're talking about. So um, so now you want to break out and give a summarization of Jennifer's story? Yeah, I think it would be really helpful for those that are listening to today uh, or watching today and don't re hadn't really read the article. So I thought I would just go down a summary of it so that you would know exactly what it's all about. It started out where... Uh, this was uh, this was a story that would be where you would you would learn that you would be able to give advice to your best friend when she says she's thinking about a divorce of her husband. Okay, so in year one, uh, at the end of year one, it's called silent resentment, um, and she's saying we're both Christians, but what went wrong? Um, he he ignores me, and I'm starting to get angry at John. 
That's her husband, Jennifer's. And the second year, which is called a calculated silence, she says, I'm unhappy, but I will not confront or rock the boat. It's too dangerous. I've got my exit decision planned out, uh, but I'm not ready to go public with it yet. Um, I still need three children first and a career to be able to support that. Uh, then in 10, 10 years, so eight years later, all of a sudden it's called a shift in the heart. So at that point, she's saying my exit strategy is working. I have my three children. Um, I have my career. Um, I have my independent life from John. Um, in fact, my love for John has shifted to my children. So that's in year 10. In year 12, which is called unveiling a new path, John commits adultery. Jennifer determines this is the perfect time to execute the divorce ex exit strategy. Now it's John's fault because the divorce is now sanctioned by the church. Okay, that's in year 12. Year 15, which is called Echoes of Regret, she's thinking, I'm free, I'm divorced, I have three children, I have a career, I have a new life. John's remarried. But the children now have their own lives. I'm not dating. I have a few friends, but they're uh, but they're really busy with their own lives. I'm lonely, but I stay really, really busy to overcome that. Uh, maybe I should have tried harder to save my marriage. Is her thought? And then year twenty-two is well, called. How about fifteen? Well, I did fifteen. That's when I, uh, oh. I'm free, divorced, having three children. So that's when she decides that, uh, that that maybe she should have tried harder because her life isn't better after the divorce, after she's gotten everything she wanted. Then in year 22, is called confronting the past. This is when her children confront her adult children, con confront, they're not married, uh, but they confront her. They're angry at Jennifer and John for the pain that they caused to them from the divorce. Uh, they realize that the parents were selfish. They didn't try hard enough. The children have lost faith in marriage. Jennifer apologizes. She recognizes she made a mistake. She advises the children to go ahead and get married. Don't be fearful like so many of the Christian uh, singles are now that they're afraid to get married. She says, no, go ahead and get married, but follow Jesus and, his, and, and treat your spouse the way Jesus would want you to do, which we're calling non-biblical behaviors. And, it's, and, and that is the secret to this. And she, she recognized that, and that's what it took to do. Okay, so that's the summary of it. Okay, so now, when do you think Jennifer first realized things were going wrong and her the family that she had envisioned, the marriage she dreamed of, the family she dreamed of, when did that die? That is a great question. Um, that is a great question because it really depends on how you look at it. Um, was it in the twelfth year when she when they divorced? Was it an act? Did the family die when she actually divorced him? I say that we need to look a little bit further earlier because there's a thing called emotional divorce, and an emotional divorce is when you decide, hey, I'm done. I'm not trying anymore. I don't have a, I don't feel for anything about that other person. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and 
I'm going to figure out a way to separate. Uh, it may not happen now. It may happen much later. But I'm done with this, and I'm going to leave the marriage at some point. And when that happens, that's an emotional divorce. That happened, when would you say? For well, Jennifer. I, it sounds like that her heart went into a bad place in the first year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm going to throw out something more. Um, that that That's Jennifer. And I agree with you on that. Mm. That, that, that she emotionally came up with an exit decision at the end of the first year. But I'm saying John, who in this particular case, I didn't really state it to you, but he had PTSD in the military. Okay. He came in this with past trauma that really affected his ability to have mm -hmm. emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And so he, he didn't know how to do it. In fact, he was prohibited from him just because of his, his, his I don't know what you call that, but it, 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 that trauma has kept him from being able to connect with her. And that really affected her. She, it, uh, and so I think maybe the emotional divorce happened at the time of their marriage for John. I don't think he ever connected. I don't think there was ever a relationship that is very, very difficult. Well, and I think so often as we observe that when you bring both the husband and wife bring luggage into mm -hmm, the marriage, mm -hmm. right? And some of that luggage needs to be unpacked before you ever get married. Absolutely. But what we've observed in some of our premar premarital counseling mm -hmm. is that people don't want to unpack it mm -hmm. because they don't want that. They want that wedding to go forward and they've got a game plan <laughs> in mind, yeah. but they have got some pieces going that they're taking into the marriage that will really interfere with them being able to become one because of past trauma, like John's. Um, they're so focused on the dream that they won't deal with the realities mm -hmm. of what's going on. And the healthiest thing they can do is unpack that luggage right. before they go in. And then they're working on things together as a team mm -hmm. rather than just trying to manage it independently. Yeah. It's happening more and more with young couples now is that not only will one person come in with baggage like John having PTSD, but Jennifer came in with a great uh, fear of abandonment because her dad had abandoned her, them. And so, uh, that was one of the reasons she was afraid uh, to bring it up and confront John at the end of the first year because she thought it could blow up, you know, and then she wouldn't be able to get her three children and, and have a career to be able to support those. So she had baggage coming in there that needed to be dealt with. And that's one of the nine uh, uh, behaviors that need to be dealt with uh, uh, when when we're talking about how does it, how do we look at it from God's point of view? And so we're looking at the family from God's point of view of being Christ, husband, wife, and children. But we also need to look at how does he see those relationships operating so that they, they, they're they healthy. And one of those is being able to deal with past luggage. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so uh, and, and so you have to have a strategy for that. And what we see is, you know, it took her 12 years to actually exit mm -hmm. to to do 
to actually have a legal divorce. Mm -hmm. But you have talked in the past about an emotional divorce versus a legal divorce. Talk to me about an emotional divorce. Right. Yeah. You know, that (laughs) is uh, what they call a shell marriage. Um, A shell marriage is where there's been an emotional divorce. Uh, I've seen just from all my studies that it happens in about the fifth or sixth year a lot of times. Uh, and that's where you decide that I'm done with the marriage. I'm emotionally disconnecting with the other person. And uh, I'm, I, I, I'm looking for ways to get out of this eventually. But I'm not ready yet. Okay, That's an emotional divorce uh, as, as they prepare to do that. And so it can go all the way from five years to 38 years before it actually gets executed. But the deal is, is that a lot of times it happens in those early years. So that's why it's so important to be able to get to uh, get, get to it early and not try to salvage it in the in the 38th year. You really need to start working on it now. Um and one of the but, things but the, that's what's called a shell marriage. And I'll bet every one of you have seen parents that are still staying together, have never divorced, haven't separated, but there's no connection between them. That's called a shell marriage. That there has been an emotional divorce in that. So they're divorced at that point. Even though they're living in the same house, they have independent parallel lives and they are divorced. And that means the family has died. And uh, the children know that. They don't have to have an official piece of paper to know that that family has died. Well, and one of the things, too, I think that it, it that you see with Jennifer, you know, her, you've already talked kind of about, mm-hmm. John, this inability to emotionally connect mm-hmm. because of past trauma. Mm-hmm. And But Jennifer, you know, she... We all make certain choices. There was something going on in that marriage that wasn't good Mm -hmm. and that was not meeting her needs for communication to Mm -hmm. engage in the very thing God designed a marriage to be, to to engage in oneness Mm -hmm. and conversation and good communication Mm -hmm. that was not occurring. But what Jennifer did, I see, Mm -hmm. is as we all do, I think, not all of us, but a high percentage, Mm -hmm. even we could say we're following Christ, we lean on our own understanding and Mm -hmm. we come up with our own game plan Mm -hmm. to to get what we want. Mm -hmm. Like Jennifer, I noted the shift in this story that Jennifer all of a sudden wasn't fighting for a good marriage. Mm -hmm. She was just made the shift to get what she wanted out of the marriage rather than focusing on what she could put into the marriage. Mm -hmm. And so that that's not uncommon when we get to places that are uncomfortable. Do we go lean on our own understanding and begin to figure out how we're going to -hmm. make things work the way we want them to work rather than going to the Lord and then surrendering and submitting to his plan to make it work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you see that happening in the very first year. Mm -hmm. Now, it took her 12 years, but notice her patterns in that 12 years. She's not doing things God's way. Mm -hmm. She is definitely moving forward and doing them the way the world says to do it, rather than leaning into God and getting close to God and getting into God's community Mm -hmm. that would give her biblical advice. Now, she was she they were both Christians so they're both saved 
but the fact is, maybe they don't don't know how to do it God's way. Maybe uh, they are just doing it, as you said, uh, according to what seems to be right in their own eyes, like in Judges. And that would be uh, how what you, what you saw when you were growing up. And most of us are seeing pretty bad examples growing up. So if we're doing it based on what we know and and what seems right to us, uh, the question is, is it she just didn't know how to do it God's way, or maybe she needs to search that out and find out how to do it God's way? Well, and that's that's where we go now. Jennifer, by the, in the first year, recognized some of her basic needs, God-given needs, were not mm-hmm. being met, right? Mm-hmm. No. And so... Yeah. Um, uh, what could Jennifer have done, perhaps, to change the trajectory of failure right. to a trajectory of success? Well, just to help you be a great friend to your friend, a uh, best friend to your your friend, when this situation comes up, uh, why don't we analyze, uh, let's say you were Jennifer's friend and she came to you before she made the decision uh, not to try and and, and asked your, your advice. Let's say at that point you say, Hey, let's just look and see if you're doing it God's way. Let's just kind of go down it. Let me explain to you how to do marriage God's way or family God's way. And let's just see how you're doing, you know, because it would be really interesting. And there are nine different behaviors, but there are also three different decisions that are really important in this process of being able to have a functioning family that, that's doing it God's way. So why don't we kind of go down each one of those and see how Jennifer did? Okay, that's a good idea. Okay, now number <laughs> number one, there are three decisions. Number one decision is, uh, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior? They did. They passed that one. They're in good shape, okay? Number two is, have you committed to follow Jesus and, and 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 transform your mind into his mind, okay, so that you're doing things his way? How would you how do you think they did on that? Both, I, both of them. I think they do what so many of us do. They they're doing it their way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. John may be doing it because of past trauma. And Jennifer is also influenced by pa- her past. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's highly influenced by her future mm-hmm. and what she wants, mm-hmm. um, which strikes me as interesting because she wants three children. Mm-hmm. So she's not getting from John what she wants. Mm-hmm. And perhaps she's thinking, I'll get from my children what I want. Yeah. But she's starting off on the the very first step's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not what she can do for the children. Mm-hmm. It's what she can get from the children, mm-hmm. that she can be loved, that she can be valued. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- they never really made a commitment to follow Jesus. So that's number two. So they didn't They didn't do that. Uh, so the, the third one would be uh, that they commit to doing marriage God's way. And God's way is really treating the other people in the family the way Christ would have you do that. And there are nine different behaviors. I think you're going to see how important each one of those nine are uh, that, that, uh, that either are or not happening in there. Or uh, and, and so why don't we go down uh, 
they didn't they didn't obviously do number three, which is to make that commitment to do those. They may not even known about that. But uh, this these are the nine, let's see how those nine are doing. And so uh, the first one I would throw out would be. Um, Forgive me. Uh, I, th- I think the first one I'm going to say is agape love. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, how did they, were they showing agape love, which is unconditional love toward each other, which is really unselfishness. Would you say that they were selfish or unselfish? Well, I think with both of them, they were focused on themselves. Mm-hmm. So that would be selfish, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Just what what an amazing difference it would make if they were both unselfish, but that's not that was not their focus. Okay, the second one is mutual decisions and not making independent decisions. How do you think they were doing at that end of that first year? Were they making independent decisions or were they making mutual decisions? Well, it sounds like from the get go, they were making independent decisions. Yeah. yeah. Those mutual decisions, what it does is it brings you together as one, which is the goal of marriage. Okay. Number three is renewing of the mind into the mind of Christ. So can you kind of explain what that means? Well, if you, if you want to have the mind of Christ mm-hmm. and you want to renew your mind in his his perspective, his principles, you have to know it. Mm -hmm. And the only way to know it is to read it. Mm -hmm. And so I think I don't pick up on the fact that they were, number one, seeking the Lord through reading his word, Mm -hmm. through prayer, asking Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit to guide, direct them and empower them and comfort them. Mm-hmm. when they're feeling alone. Um, and then the community aspect. I don't think they got themselves into a community that could encourage mm-hmm. them in the biblical way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It said in there that, that she she mentioned uh, in the story that uh, they stopped going, they didn't go to church and they stopped reading the Bible. Okay. So, uh, okay. Number four would be, quantity and quality time together as a husband and wife. Um, in that, there, it's really important for relationships for there to be time together and that time together be quality. In other words, undivided attention, enough to be able to build good memories. Okay. And so um, how would you say that we're doing all that? Well, you know, if you talk about quantity and quality time, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem like either one was occurring. So often, particularly with women, one of the biggest things is biggest desires of their heart is that their husband is present. Mm-hmm. He's engaging with them. I think Jennifer even mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, he became silent. He or No, he never really engaged at all. He was no. silent from the get-go. Never. But... Then did you hear the last thing that was called at the end of the first year, silent resentment? Mm-hmm. So then she stops talking. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're just ships passing in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and the resentment is probably building during that time. Uh, John is becoming more distant because mm-hmm. Jennifer isn't even trying now to engage him. Mm-hmm. She is just silent 
letting that silent resentment grow. And, you know, we're warned about that in Scripture. It says, beware that a root of bitterness does not form in your heart because it will spring up and defile many. And that means, you know, now John probably isn't the only one that is the experiencing the consequences of her resentment, mm-hmm. but it is beginning, it will filter out into every other relationship she has. Mm-hmm. Because I think it even said they didn't have many friends. Mm-hmm. She all of a sudden is becoming alone, mm-hmm. which was the very thing that she didn't want. She didn't want the desire of her heart mm-hmm. was to be in a marriage where she was respected mm-hmm. and valued mm-hmm. and could do life together with her do husband. And then yeah. she's having children, but then as that resentment builds, she can't get that from them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be around her. Mm-hmm. So the very thing she wanted, she really has contributed mm-hmm. to not being able to get that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So what you you see and you're seeing these are behaviors that are really healthy for a marriage that weren't weren't really occurring. Uh, now, n- uh, number five is uh, emotional, spiritual, and physical intimacy, and essentially what that means is romance. And I I think the Bible says that that responsibility is on the the husband, and the husband is to be to, to be the pursuer of his wife. And uh, he's to just like he did to get her to marry him, and but to continue so often, and pro- I think pretty much John did this, is that right after you got married, his shifted to his career and away from his wife, and that relationship never got developed. And the way you develop it is way past just being friends. That we're talking about emotional, spiritual, and physical intimacy where you're becoming one, that takes a lot of work, but also it's with the person that you want to be with the most. So it's not that hard, really, especially if you do it from the beginning. How would you say they did it on that? Well, I don't think it ever started. Mm. And I'm curious, too, in the very beginning. It always intrigues me. If he was that way right after the marriage, he probably, there were red flags, Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you were to, if I were to have a conversation with Jennifer, I might say, "Why did you marry John? Mm-hmm. Um, was it for something you could get from him?" Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when you when you have these dreams and you decide that uh, you're going to make it happen. A lot, make of ta- it happen yeah. a lot of times that's it, happening a lot these days. <laughs> it doesn't happen. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't happen the way you dreamed it would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, number six uh, is uh, forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is where you for Christ has asked you and commanded you to forgive the other person of the, any way that they've hurt you, so that uh, you take it off your hook and you put it on God's hook, where you, the, the 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 anger inside of you goes away. And you're able to have no, there are no records of wrongs after that, so that the relationship can move forward uh, toward oneness. So this is a difficult concept, but um, what do you think about that? How they do on that? Well, you know, how how are we all doing on that? Well, and I don't (laughs) know about John because we don't, you know, he. He seems to be in his own world, mm-hmm. but with Jennifer, uh, I, you know, 
forgiveness, when you hold resentment in your heart, mm-hmm. it only becomes more toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, you know, we're told to forgive as Christ forgave us. But, you know, the interesting thing that Jesus did, even when he looked out and all these people have hung him on a cross mm-hmm. and they're cursing at him. And it's a horrible, horrible thing. What did he do? He prayed for them. Wow. He prayed for them. Did Jennifer, do you ever pick up on any point where she actually was interceding for John mm-hmm. through prayer? Mm-hmm. You know, I've prayed before that God would change him, <laughs> right? Make her behave. I mean, he's driving me crazy. Right. Uh, but um, I have I prayed that he will experience the fullness of God's love. He will become... Uh, hungry and thirsty for to 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 know the Lord better. I intercede on His behalf, even when I'm not getting from Him what I need, because I can't force Him to give me what He needs. But the closer He gets to God and experiences God's love, then I can benefit from the overflow of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that is one of the hardest things to do. And we're told to pray for our enemies. And at this point, John is Jennifer's enemy, right? And so you just got to give them to the only one that can help them change. And you've got to give yourself to the one that can change you and your attitudes as well. Mm -hmm. Because God can show Jennifer the adjustment she needs to make as well. Right. Well, I want to interject something here because yesterday was our 48th wedding anniversary. And I I want Luli to know that I love her more today than ever. Because as I was listening to her answer on the forgiveness, I was thinking, I'm really lucky to have Luli as a partner. So that's... Random thinking there, but I just had to get that out because when you follow God's uh, God's uh, behavior of how to treat each other, um, you start growing closer to closer. You're, and and uh, I do have to. Luli's teaching me. I'm slow in teaching it, but the idea with these is that you are to try these each day, not that you don't. You have to have them accomplished. And so she recognizes that that I'm not saying it the right way, but the idea is to try it and keep working at it. And and it, eventually uh, we start moving toward each other again, rather than away from each other, like most couples are doing these days because of the conflict that, that's in those marriages. Well, okay. and I think, too, one of the biggest things is ask God to give you the grace. Mm-hmm. You know, God, need all the help. you know, when people use that scripture that says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's so easy to make that the desires, my desires mm-hmm. versus God says, if you'll delight yourself in me, my desires will become your desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is so it is so hard not to make it all about me all the time. And um, I think sometimes you can't go horizontally in making it about your 
husband or your wife first. First, go vertical. Absolutely. Make it about the Lord. Get closer mm-hmm. to Him. Mm-hmm. Then He'll begin to do the work in your heart so it will overflow in your relationship with one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we're, we're going to get on through this so we don't hold you all day. Uh, but number seven is the quality and quality time between the parent and children. And, and how do you think that Jennifer and John did that over a period of time? Well, you're not, that's not really talked about. We obviously know from their response and coming back to mm-hmm. them that whatever they were doing, the kids, the very thing that was happening in Jennifer's heart was happening in their heart. Mm-hmm. Jennifer had left a legacy of resentment. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to make a decision. Uh, I think it was how many years into the marriage, 12, uh, mm-hmm. something like that, that I realized the only thing I had to give my kids was my hurts, um, my pain, mm-hmm. and my anger, <laughs> quite honestly. And so there was a decision that had to be made that I wanted I wanted to give a blessing to my children rather than the curse that I was carrying in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so, but the only way that can happen is for you to go to the Lord and say, do the work you need to do in me right now, Mm -hmm. because I want to have a godly legacy in my family versus a worldly legacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, um, with Jennifer, I think that because she didn't deal with the resentment in her own heart, they had a home where there wasn't laughter, yeah. there wasn't joy, there wasn't communica- good communication and connection inside mm-hmm. that family. And so it would be, we hear a little bit from the kids coming back later yeah. that that Jennifer was, the very thing that Jennifer was giving her family was only her pain mm-hmm. and her resentment mm-hmm. and her disappointment. and. That's just so sad. Yeah. yeah. As much as she wanted to give everything she could by her not having a great relationship with John, uh, it, it hurt those children uh, enough. And and as we saw, it that could have happened as early as one year into it uh, where that disconnect occurs. So once the children are born, they experience this disconnect all the way through. And um, they got to the point where they really resented it and, and let her know that. Well, and one of the sad things, too, is so much in Christian homes. It doesn't do any good. I'm not saying don't speak God's word to your kids. Don't train them up in the ways of the Lord. But boy, Heidi, you better be. They're not impacted as much by what you say as what you're doing. They're watching your behavior. And, you know, that comment like, you know, every day I become more like my mother. Well, the, usually it's not the things you loved about your mother. It's the, the things that you didn't like about your mother that you held on to. And mm-hmm. then you repeat those same patterns. And um, so, you know, if you really want to love your husband well and love your family well, it all has to begin with loving God well. Mm-hmm. And if you love God, you get closer to Him, mm-hmm. and your desire is to do it His way rather than your own. Right. Well, we have two more, and we're going to try to go through those quickly. But what we're trying to do is, is, is we're you as your best friend, you're showing this uh, this checklist uh, of how did you how did you 
uh, how are you doing in your marriage to Jennifer to be able to see what could have happened uh, if she had adopted uh, these these behaviors? Uh, and while we're saying that is a lot of times you you have to have both doing those behaviors. But if one will start those, then a lot of times the other one will come around. Okay. So the last two are going to be number eight uh, is past trauma healing. Uh, and we were saying that John has PTSD and Jennifer had fear of abandonment. We've kind of gone over that, but that's something that needs to be dealt with from the very beginning. And so it's not a matter of making sure that it's, it's healed immediately because it took us 13, 14 years to get to that point. But to, to, make that a goal and to be working on it, to recognize that there it's there is really important. Okay. That's, uh, that's eight and nine, uh, uh, is, uh, quality and quantity time between the family and Christ. Okay. And so, um, didn't sound like that really happened, uh, in this situation. Uh, so if you kind of look at, if we look at, at, at how, you know, if she's, you're talking to your friend, uh, Jennifer, she's getting to see all these things that were not happening. Um, the, she really, from what I can see is that really she only did the very first one, which was to be, to be saved. Um, she didn't make a commitment to follow Jesus. She didn't make a commitment to follow his behaviors. Uh, and, and we get, we go down the nine and she really didn't do any of those. John didn't either, you know, because of that, that marriage continually separated, um, to the point that early on she made the decision that they would be independent. I think he may have made that decision early, even before she did, which means that the family dies. Okay. Um, the, the key here is that, because we don't have much time. We just have a couple more minutes here. I, I did want to, uh, to make this point to each one of you out there, because I think this applies to every person out there. Uh, not just if, if we were talking to, to John, if, I mean, if we were talking to Jennifer now today, or if we were talking to John and his new wife today, or if we were talking to each of the three children today, or if we're talking to you today is that, Every day is a new day. Every day is a do-over. Every day is it can be a new beginning. And so the ability to make those three decisions can be done in a matter of seconds each. Then the ability to start trying to do those nine behaviors of, of, of forgiveness and, and unselfishness and uh, taking on Christ's mind and those can be done at any uh, today. So I'm encouraging you. And so even if you're a single, just like Jennifer was or her children were, that doesn't mean that you can't understand how this works so that when it, when you do get that, that you're not afraid to get married. And so, because once you do, you will know how to do it God's way. And if you do it God's way, it works. But we're trying to reverse this 2% back to the 72%. And it's been going the wrong direction for a long time. And the only way to do it is for you to do it God's way. 
And when you do, it works. You've got the relationships that are covenant relationships that are working great. Christ has to be the center of it, though. Well, and one of the things I'd like to suggest is this is just the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And I often, we've often encouraged couples that we have counseled, do you have a mission statement for your marriage? Mm-hmm. You, it's a great thing to sit down and write, because if you've been doing it wrong, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is asking God, what is the area that he wants you to work on this year in your marriage? As not an individual, but as a couple. And then what is your mission statement for your family? And I think the reason we don't do so many things, we know what to do. We just aren't intentional about doing them. We just are on cruise control and we are bombarded with the message of the world and gathering together and getting all the things of the world rather than investing in what is of eternal value. And I, it's a decision that you have to make. This is the most important mutual decision you'll ever make. Mm-hmm. Not, am I going to do it God's way? But are we going to do it God's Absolutely. way? Yep. And so this may be a conversation you need to have, discuss, discussing what are these essentials? What would that look like if we started both working in those areas to implement that in the way we engage with mm-hmm. one another? It could change everything, but without intentionality, it won't happen. God, uh, the enemy loves to make us busy becoming the room mother at the school, becoming uh, the CEO at my company, mm-hmm. or, uh, or just hanging with my friends and <laughs> never left them. I'm still in a sorority and a fraternity as far as it's concerned. I'm spending a lot more time investing in my friendships than in my mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah. And so that needs to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. That needs to be confessed. If you say you're following the Lord, you aren't because that's not the way he wants you to do it. So that first begins with the confession of it, but then it shifts to committing to the Lord and letting him do the work in you so that you can experience the fullness of the marriage that he designed for you to have. Right. So in closing, I'm going to let you know that... um, we are here, first of all, that uh, making the three decisions and then doing it God's way with the nine behaviors is cost nothing. It's free. You can do that right now, today. It doesn't, nothing stopping you and it doesn't cost you any time or any money to do that. Um, and we're, we're here to give you that, to teach that to you so that you can then practice it and apply it. Doesn't cost you anything for us to do that for you. Now, what we've done is we've created an academy for those people who decide, hey, I don't want to do this by myself. I want to do this with other couples, and I want to do it uh, long enough for 42 days to create habits of of changing poor habits into good habits so that it can continue on after that. We have the academy for that. And we do that uh, with the community groups. So we have that. To, we have both options. So stick with us. Uh, keep checking back in on our website, which is on the screen there. Um, or, or um, and you can sign up for the academy there. Uh, 
but uh, or you can keep checking in with our podcast uh, or our YouTube and learn about the nine uh, biblical behaviors that you need to do, try to do each day uh, and be working on it to move toward a great, healthy family. Okay. So I think that does it for this week. This is heavy stuff, but it's good. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think that at times you feel like, ugh, this is so hard. This is so heavy. But, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm. And as you get closer to him, he can give joy in your marriage and in your families. Not ha- I didn't say happiness mm-hmm. because happiness is the way of the world. But he can give you the joy of the Lord and he can strengthen you in loving and serving one another as he intended it to be. And then when you love and serve each other as husband and wife well, your children are in the safest environment they could possibly mm-hmm. be in and they will thrive. Your marriage will thrive and your family will thrive and God will be honored. So your testimony to the world will be a testimony that glorifies him. You you want to pray us out? Okay. Well, Father God, we come to your throne of grace. We ask that you move mightily in all our hearts. Break our hearts for the things that break your hearts. Bring us, give us the grace, Father God, to surrender our will to your will. Refresh hearts that are in despair, feeling like this is impossible because in you all things are possible. So bring them into your arms of grace. And then, Father God, I pray that you will move mightily in ways that exceed what they could ever hope or imagine. And we pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Great. Have a great week. We'll see you later.